Wow, how good is this? Haven't had the chance to catch up with this bloke for a while. He is the host of uh, Gardening Toolback. He is Scotty Sharp. G'day, mates. G'day, Mark. We've been shooting the breeze for a while. It's been nice to catch up. All right. Uh, Gardening Toolback is the name of the game. Our gardening guru, Scotty Sharp, is here. And Yvonne at Lovedale, thanks for your patience, Yvonne. Thank what's, you. What's happening with your finger lime tree there? Now, now, my lovely granddaughter just bought me one from a market, and it's only about a foot high. However, I was told I have to put it in native pot mix, but I was told, can I grow it in a pot? I don't want it in the ground because I've got all clay here. Yeah, no, look, that's absolutely fine, Yvonne. So, uh, yes, she's absolutely correct. Um, and you've only got a little teeny tot finger lime there by the sounds of things. Yes. Uh, they are a native. They're actually native to uh, up up north. They're sort of a bit of a rainforest tree. So uh, if you can, you need to keep it out of the full sun and keep it in some dappled uh, sunlight, you know, under a tree. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, you've probably got a, even a veranda where you could have it uh, on the house yes. and, and move it around a little bit if you need to, just to keep it out of the full sun. Uh, they do need to be a native potting mix. The other thing is when you're fertilising them, you have to be careful about what you're fertilising them because natives, any type of native, you know, whether it's a grevillea, a, a finger lime, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a gum tree of, of some sort, mm-hmm. they just don't like... Uh, you know, phosphorus in in the uh, in the soil in the fertilizer. No. So you have to be very careful about what you're feeding it. Uh, Blood and bones, an excellent fertilizer. It's nice and safe to use uh, for a plant in a pot. Uh, or there are granulated native fertilizers you can get. So you have to be very careful about that. Certainly no manures or anything. Okay. Yeah, and okay. a nice big pot for it, uh, and it will do really, really well. Uh, in the ground, they're a bit of a spiky thing, so you probably yeah. don't want it to, to get it in the ground and, and sort of take off. But uh, yeah, no. they, now you're at Lovedale. I bet occasionally you get a frost up there. Yes, occasionally, yes, I do. Okay, so your finger line's definitely not going to like a frost. No, uh, so it'll if be you can, Yeah, so you need it to be in a sheltered spot. If you know there's going to be a frost on its way, uh, you know, you can simply go and toss an old sheet uh, over yes. the top of it, and yep. that will protect any plant um, from the frost actually settling and uh, hitting the leaves. Now, have you got a question about a bay tree as well, I notice? Yes, I have. Just the, the one thing about the lime tree, I was told if it's in a pot... It won't fruit, but it will if it's kept small, won't it? Yeah, look, it it certainly will. I guess people usually, uh, you know, have the bay trees because they want to, uh, you know, use the leaves off them in their cooking. Is that what you're going to be using it for? Oh, no, no, I'm talking about the lime tree. They said it won't fruit the lime if I put it in a pot. Oh, no, no, it certainly will as long as you're fertilising it nice and safely and keeping the water up to it. It will definitely fruit for you. All right, best of luck, Yvonne, uh, as we move on. G'day, Lynn at Western. Your camellia tree's not doing that great at the moment there, Lynn. No, it's pretty sick looking. It, the leaves are going, are going yellow and the flowers, when I bought it, was red and now it's gone a dusty, dusty pink colour. Oh, that sounds a bit unusual. So, uh, Lynn, have you got that plant in a pot or in the ground? No, it's in the ground. It's in the ground. How old is, the, yeah. uh, how old is it now? Six or seven years old, eight oh, years old. Okay, okay. So yeah. it's, it's uh, you know it's, it's getting on there, I guess, in the scheme yeah. of things. Uh, camellias will grow for a long, uh, get you know quite old actually. So uh, it's, I guess it is a young plant really. Uh, mm. Now they can get uh, a thing called tea mite. Is your camellia one of the larger leaf ones or one of the smaller ones? Yeah. This is the larger one. The yeah. large, larger ones. Okay, the yep. japonica camellia. Japonica. 
Yeah. Yep. So they are quite susceptible to tea mite. Uh, and that's probably why you're getting that yellowing and, and silvering uh, all over the plant. Uh, now, you'll find that uh, if you start to look at the leaves, you might find some scale on there. Tea mite gives that silvering look. You will mm-hmm. need to spray it with some sort of miticide. Uh, okay. Look, there's, there's plenty of you know nice safe ones to use out there, but it's something you're going to have to do. If they get the scale on them, you need to really uh, get into it with the, uh, the white oil as well and try and choke that scale okay. out. Now, yep. again, uh, what, what sort of fertiliser are you giving the uh, camellia? Uh, only um, Osmocote. Right, okay. I think it, you probably need to give it something a little bit more hefty um, than oh. Osmocote. It's it's a great sort of slow-release fertiliser, yep. um, mostly for use in pots, I guess. Uh, camellias love cow manure, so if you can go and get some bags of cow manure, uh, you can dump that around um, You know the drip line of the plant. Don't let it pile up. Uh, mm. against the trunk of the plant, water that in, uh, and you will just it will actually uh, lower the pH of the soil because they do like a slightly acidic soil and it will uh, introduce organic matter uh, into the soil yep. as well. So you'll just have a generally okay. much healthier plant. And so in concert with your spraying, a bit of fertilising, uh, you know, after, you know, probably two or three months, your plant will start to look a lot better for you. Okay. Can you explain to me why it would have changed colour? Oh, now because that... Because I, I have eight camellias. And not one of them has gone like this one. Yeah, that, that's that's a bit unusual. Haven't uh, really come across that before. I'm wondering if it's just, you know, generally a little bit unhappy with that yellowing of the leaves and it's just fading uh-huh. off, yeah. I, I, I'd, uh, once you've uh, fertilised and uh, got that T-mitle scale under control, I think it might come back for you. Thank you so much, Lynn. Heading to the uh, top of the Central Coast, Julie at Wombrel. What's happening with your mango tree, Julie? Well, I've got lots of flower on it. But I've got a lot of new growth coming on it, and I wondered if I should cut the new growth off to let the flower just take over. No, look, I'd, uh, Julie, I'd probably just leave uh, it is, uh, you know, sort of is as it is at the moment, um, rather than going and, and cutting too much off. It's great that you've got lots of flower on there. Uh, have you sprayed, though, for anthracnose, the fungal disease you get uh, in the flower and then into the fruit? No, we haven't. Yeah, look, very important to go and do that at this time of year. Uh, what happens is uh, mangoes, when they flower, uh, they can get a, a fungal disease that gets in, into the flower and then as the fruit forms, it actually spreads into the fruit and then can spread onto the leaves of the plant as well. So going and doing a preventative spray at the moment with a, a copper spray or mancozeb, their fungicides, uh, is a really good idea. Uh, it just protects that, uh, you know, those little black spots uh, forming all over the fruit and the flowers uh, and the uh, leaves, sorry. All right, thank you so much, Julie. Uh, Denise at Rutherford, you're here with uh, our gardening guru, Scotty Sharp, and I, your dwarf orange tree, the flowers are being attacked by stink bugs, Denise. Oh, not the old stink bugs. Uh, what have you been doing, Denise? You've been out there trying to get rid of them? I flicked some off, but I don't know where they went. <laughs> but they keep coming back. It was covered in a mass of flowers. And, yeah, the stink bugs have come and eaten them all off. Yeah, it, it is stink bug season. Um, you can get one of those, you know, those kids' guns, you know, that sort of <laughs> fires the little pellets out and see how good your aim is. That might be a way to, to do it. I wish. 
Yeah, uh, look, they are really difficult to keep under control. Uh, the old-fashioned thing, you know, that we keep on saying is if you've got an old vacuum cleaner, um, head on out there and, and vac them up uh, because the, the stink bugs, the bronze orange bugs, they get all over the new growth of the citrus and they suck all the sap out. So you start to see the new growth curling up and it just gets damaged and, uh, you know, a very unhappy plant because of them. So it is important to try and keep them under control. Uh, the chemicals that we used to use, they're unfortunately harmful uh, to bees, so we don't use those anymore. Uh, that was Confidor, so um, be careful if you've got any of that still sitting in the shed. Don't be using that because it is harmful to the bees and we need as many of those as we can get at the moment. Uh, so the old, yeah, the Hoover is a great way to go out and get rid of the uh, the bronze orange bugs. Uh, look, there are some other more, you know, natural chemicals out there that you can get. Uh, you know, the different uh, chemical companies have, uh, you know, them out there. So head along to your uh, local garden centre and just see what they've got in stock. Uh, but you can keep them under control, uh, you know, with, even with the hose by blasting them off. Unfortunately, they'll generally come back. Um, so the hoof is a good idea. Um, or head off to your local garden centre and just get some of those, uh, you know, those chemicals, the natural ones, uh, and keep them under control. Thank you very much, Denise. So, Scotty, we are in stink bug season, yeah? It is, and don't go near them without even glass because they'll spray oh. and get your eyes nasty. Oh. I thought that was you. That was the problem, but it's the stink bug. It is so. the stink bug. All right. We get the rapid fire thing for you a minute ago. Yeah, call after call after call. Oh, it's a bit like speed dating. Not that I've ever done that myself. <laughs> speed gardening. Speed gardening. Let's call it that rather than speed dating. I'm sure people know what we're talking about. Yeah, I think you do. 49216216. Look, you can have an opportunity now if you'd love to connect with Scotty. He's over here doing the speed Gardening, gardening thing for you. Thing. That's all I'm doing. <laughs> uh, something nice and short for us to contemplate here? Uh, yeah, corn. I love corn. It tastes fantastic at this time of year. Easy for the kids to grow. If you've got a big enough pot, um, whack it in. Uh, you know, it's a couple of kernels. You'll get them growing up. So easy to look after. They don't really get pest disease. Uh, and also for the, you know, just generally in the garden, in a nice sunny spot, uh, a really easy plant to get going and easy to get the uh, the vegetable, the fruit, off it, mm -hmm. and uh, cook it up. A lovely thing for the kids and for yourself. I love the idea that you said that it's sort of somewhat pest resilient as well. That's a, always a good thing. It certainly is. Look, another plant you can get growing nice and easily, and you have to do it at this time of year because it doesn't do too well in the winter, is uh, basil. There's sweet basil, Thai basil, so many different varieties. Obviously, the sweet basil's the, the tastiest. Uh, again, in the ground, in a pot, uh, in a nice sunny spot, keep it well watered, and uh, you'll be able to add that into your pesto and make it all happen uh, You know, quite easily. Just a super quick follow-up with something you were talking to Denise about being at stink bug season and that's sort of like generally are they like a, a spring summer thing they are mm -hmm. they definitely come out around this time of year um, they start quite small actually and then they mm -hmm. turn green eventually they turn that that bronze orange that we don't like uh, they do spray uh, so do be careful, wear sunglasses or, uh, you know, just your normal glasses around if you're going out to treat them. So be careful about that. But a lot, a lot of damage to plants, mm. uh, to citrus plants especially. They just seem to be attracted to them. They're the most amazing thing. Uh, yeah, look, chemical control, but you have to be careful to use the nice safe chemicals. Uh, pyrethrum, that might, uh, you know, knock them around a bit, slow them down and uh, you can get the hoover out. And like, like you said, keep in mind those big welding glasses, keep those on because the, <laughs> they'll spray you. And some old clothes because it stinks when it gets all over you. Uh, again, I thought that was you. For, for stop, no. stop it.
Across Newcastle and the Hunter, 2 in your RFM 103.7. As we continue with Gardening Talkback, Scotty Sharp, we've had you to work, we've put you to work straight away today. You've just been answering all sorts of questions. Oh, the whip has cracked um, around my ears. Mango trees, stink bang. bugs, everything else. And I'm out of the blocks. I'm bang, bang, bang. Absolutely. And now we're heading uh, to Leslie at Salamander Bay. What's happening uh, in your garden there, Leslie? Something very bizarre, guys. Ooh, okay. (laughs) Hang on, cue the spooky music. (laughs) Well, it is. It is, and it's it's fascinating. In the hedge in my place and my next-door neighbour's place and in my gardenia, there are these very artistic holes. Yes. And they're perfect. They're sort of... It's like someone has cut them into perfect holes. Is this Crop Circles 2.0 or something? Yeah. <laughs> are they in the top of the hedge or are they in the like the face of the hedge? Um, in my gardenia, it's quite down the bottom. Yes. You know, there's the bottom leaves and then all of a sudden there's this complete round hole. Um, in, in the neighbours, it's kind of the hedge looked fine and they did it yesterday. And lo and behold, when they went across, here's this mammoth hole in theirs as well. And um, the same with my little hedge. It's quite down the bottom, actually. They're kind of bottom-middle. And they're perfectly shaped. Okay, okay. And, and I mean, having a look around, there's no pest or insects lurking in the area? or No. I keep wondering whether or not perhaps a bird is trying to nest in there. I mean, that could be the case. Uh, I have possums around my place, and I know that they'll get in and do a bit of damage on things as well. So I wonder if you might just have a you know a nocturnal native animal getting in there and uh, having a bit of chomp away on things. I would especially think so on a gardenia. Um, I'm not sure about any, like, what other sort of hedges did you say? Were they lily pillies or? No, no, no. They're, um, oh, what's the word? I've got old age problems. Um, What's the most common hedge that you see? Oh, there's Moraes, there's Vitinias. That's it. Yeah, Moraes. Yeah. yeah, okay. Look, I, I wouldn't think so, you know, a possum having a go at those. So it could be a bird that's just trying to get in there and, and nest overnight. That all sounds a bit strange. Either that, Leslie, or what's your relationship with your nearest neighbours like? Yes. <laughs> I think you One need... of them is really good. <laughs> and someone might be trying to drill portholes through the hedge to, to look through a nautical theme up there at Salamander Bay. Well, you know, they probably could actually. It's quite, they're, they're quite big. It's just. But what fascinates me is the artistic way it's done. I mean, it's really perfect. It's quite strange. You need to get one of those uh, tra- like trail cameras, you know, that they always seem to photograph <laughs> yes. the Tasmanian tiger in the middle, you know, going through the track. That's what you need. The picture's always very fuzzy, though. It's never yeah. quite. <laughs> you, you, might, you never know who you might see popping through that ledge uh, there, <laughs> Leslie, if you get a camera yeah, up there. That could be quite a surprise. Uh, it's very, very weird. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, look, let us know. We'd love to hear if you do find out anything, if it's some sort of, you know, Salamander Bay monster or something that's come out <laughs> and it's poking its big reptilian head through. All right, best of luck with all of that, Leslie. Four nine two one six two one six. Scotty Sharp here taking a look at well, speed gardening. All right. Well, it's UFOs and everything almost. <laughs> gardening talk back here at Two in RFM, and Scotty Sharp is here, mate. We had we take all sorts of calls, don't we? all sorts of queries. Yeah, that hedge 
Roberts phenomenon a little while back. That's a bit odd. It was like Mark's believe it or not, wasn't it? Very you know, tall, tall tales <laughs> and true. Tales from the crypt, from the, tales from the garden. We'll take any sort of call. Good afternoon, Maria T. Gardens. What's happening with uh, with your garden today? Oh, good afternoon. Um, we've been here for 24 years in this uh, property and there's been a wisteria vine growing up a gum tree for all that time. The gum tree got cut down a few years ago and this vine has never, ever had a flower on it the whole time we're here. And this year it's decided to throw out flowers. Oh, wow. And I, and I just wondered <laughs> what, what's happened to it, what shocked it into flowering. Well, I, I, well, on one hand, I'm wondering if it was the, uh, you know, the dry conditions we've had here because often plants will flower, you know, as a last-ditch effort to try and, you know, keep on spreading their uh, their progeny around the world. So that could be a reason for it. Oh, but you, yeah. set, you said it's on this gum tree. And when did the gum tree get cut down? Oh, quite a few years ago uh, now. It's only this sort of the stump there about a metre high that it's sort of still hanging on to. But, uh, and the flowers are very pale and small on it. They're not the usual nice big purple flowers. So um, I just wonder what might have induced it to flower. Well, I, I also wonder if, you know, it's been trying to grow there, but the, the tree, the gum tree's been, you know, soaking up all the nutrient and moisture from the soil. And, and finally, the wisteria's, you know, after a few years, is starting to get its mm-hmm. its legs now and it is actually able to start to grow. And it might be a message that, you know, you said the flowers aren't, you know, perhaps as strong as cut in colour and size that, uh, you know, it still is a little bit nutrient deficient, but, uh, you know, it will, you know, over time now that that tree's gone, um, start to assert itself a little bit more. That might be the best way of looking at it. Yeah, I just thought it's, it's been a few years, but when it was growing up the tree, it was quite vigorous mm. and uh, lots of nice green leaves and green stems and everything on it, you know. And uh, as I said, it was just a shock. My husband called me in one day and said, oh, come out and have a look at this. <laughs> get over it because 24 years, I mean, it's a long time. It, it is. Well, look, of, of course, you know, plants need potassium to flower. So I wonder if, the, you know, the gum tree's been sucking all of that out of the soil. And, yeah, and, and, it, and it hasn't been there for quite a few yeah, years. Yeah, okay, so. that might not be the answer in that yeah, case. Yeah. Just, and uh, one of life's little mysteries. Well, it's, oh, this is great. This is We've just got mystery. We need Sherlock Holmes here today to solve all <laughs> these weird and wonderful <laughs> mysteries we've got with the, the oh. hedge with the perfect holes. We've got the now flowering wisteria. Who knows what we'll get next. No, you never know, do you? <laughs> anyway, no, no mystery though, Marie. You are living in a fantastic part of the world in the Tea Gardens Hawks Nest area, so I'm yes, sure you've enjoyed yes. the last two and a bit decades there. Yeah, we have. Oh. Moving over from Cessnock uh, <laughs> to come here and from the heat to the to the ocean has been absolutely wonderful. Yeah, you don't get a sea breeze out at Cessnock. I can no, vouch for that one. Not. No, you do not. <laughs> All right. Okay. okay. Thanks, All Marie. Right. Thank you so much, Marie. And uh, Scotty, a couple of events actually uh, that are sort of garden-related uh, happening this weekend. So a couple of big ones. Firstly, at uh, the Grosman House, to have their Heritage Rose Garden 50-year anniversary. So that's a long time to be keeping uh, you know, that rose garden there. Yeah, that's really going to be a really nice one to get up and uh, have a look at uh, this Saturday because the, the rose garden up there is absolutely mm. spectacular, well looked after. Uh, you're going to see lots of different varieties. Uh, they will be just looking pristine with the uh, lovely dry conditions we've had, all the new growth, all the new flowers. That's at uh, Grosman House uh, the Rose Garden this uh, Saturday.
And uh, once you've checked that out on Sunday, move across to the uh, Botanic Gardens. Their spring fair is there uh, with all of the uh, fun from the Australasian Native Orchid Society displays as yeah, well. Another another great display. It's the perfect time of year to be uh, taking a, a squeeze at the native orchids. Uh, and people that grow native orchids, they just know what they're doing. It's a, almost a little subculture. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's and it's going to be just a spectacular look at lots of different colours uh, in the native orchids. Uh, yeah, definitely over to the uh, Botanic Gardens and have a look at that. All right, big uh, weekend of gardening on Saturday and Sunday. We've got info on those for you at our events calendar at 2NURFM.com.au. With our gardening guru, Scotty Sharp, and our last call for today. Good afternoon, Jenny. Uh, you've got some issues there. What's happening, Jenny? Um, I've just... Um, uh, I had a maidenhair fern and it got caught in the um, hot winds just recently. Oh, that, yeah, not too good there. What's happened to it? Yeah, so I, so I will dry it out, so I've chopped it all off. Yep. I've repotted it. Yes. And I want to know how long before I fertilise with Flourish. Look, I wouldn't be fertilising your maiden hair. It's been a, a really stressed, unhappy little plant. It's been burnt. You've repotted it. It's going yep. to be sending out some new fine hair roots as well. Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, don't be yep. fertilising at this point in time. You almost want it to come back and be its nice, normal self again. Yep. And that's yep. when you'll go and start fertilising with a liquid fertiliser. Okay. It just burns. The, the, the plant can't process it because its, it's leaf structure's not there. Um, so okay. it just won't be able to suck it in. You'll end up doing far more damage than good. Okay. So just wait yep. till the plant's, uh, you know, back to almost its nice normal yep. self. I'm and keeping fertilize. it in, inside now in my bedroom yes. um, where it's nice and bright, but there's no wind, no air conditioning, um, and I think it'll love it. Yeah, and look, the other thing to do is uh, take it in, uh, have a shower with you, not necessarily in the shower stall, but in the bathroom, um, because it loves the maidenhairs love the humidity. So if yes. you take it into the bathroom with you when you're having a shower, it'll soak up all that humidity and it'll be oh, a right. much, much happier plant. All right, best of luck with everything there, Jenny. I would not have thought we'd have ended there, Scotty, with taking the plant in for a shower with you. Well, <laughs> we can be a bit saucy here as well, Mark. But first of all, we had someone creeping, you know, cutting a hole in the uh, in the in the uh, hedge, and now that, what they're going to look at, they're going to look through and see someone taking a, a bath with the, with the plant. Mate, but that's it. We're done. We're out of time. Okay. Well, it's been a lovely, lovely time with you, mate. We'll we'll see you next time you're here for another gardening tour back. All right. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.